GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to the final frontier with three amazingly talented guests from the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. So without further ado, let's beam them up. Our first guest is an actress whose credits include the return of Sherlock Holmes, Gargoyles, and the Orville. Today, she joins us to talk about her role in Star Trek The Next Generation as Commander and Counselor Deanna Troy. Please welcome back the always awesome Marina Sirtis. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. Today. Indeed. Have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I'm um I'm getting ready to move back to England, so I've been a bit busy packing and stuff, but um, it's very exciting. So um, yeah, you, going back you, home. You mentioned that was in the cards when last we spoke. Uh, and something else interesting. Uh, you just got announced that you're uh, going to be do, taking part in a documentary called Aerotoxic. Uh, yeah, I have worked with these people before. This is a, a good friend of mine who was an airline captain and his wife, who both got very serious autoimmune diseases because of the bleed air, contaminated bleed air that's fed into aeroplanes. Yeah. And um, I've done a film with them before. I've actually I've done two films with them does, before. Yeah. And so now they want me to voice over their new film about this. Finally, people are listening. So, um, yeah, I always say to people, where does the air that we breathe in an aeroplane come from? That's where does it come point. from? Patty, where does it come from? Um, whatever's left over from other people's lungs when they expel. Oh, no, and, it no. comes in from the outside and it comes in through the engines. So if there's any kind of coolant leak or mess up or oil or anything in there, it gets heated up to extremely high temperatures and goes into the cabin and we breathe it. And what we're breathing is organophosphates, which is sarin. So it's not good. So if, it, if you ever get on a plane and it smells like eggs or socks, get off and get the next plane. I'm serious, get off the plane. I uh, I will definitely keep that in mind. And uh, right. now I'm gonna be interested and I'm gonna check this out when it comes out. So. <laughs> No, thank you for this illumination. I had no idea. I just figured it was pumped in through a vent. I assumed at the front of the play. Yeah. Oh, okay. Engines. All right. All right. Learn something new every day. Oh, my. <laughs> Our next guest is an actor and accomplished director whose credits include Gargoyles, The Oriole, and Thunderbirds. Today, he joins us to talk about his contributions to Star Trek as a director of numerous episodes and films, including Discovery and Picard, as well as the characters of William and sometimes Thomas Riker. Please welcome back Jonathan Franks. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, good to see you, John. It smells like socks and eggs, eggs. in my room here. Yeah. Uh -oh. Okay, walk out, back out. Is that, is that the time? Yeah, uh, just put on your just put on your outside mask, and uh, maybe that'll help. Oh goodness! No idea. Jonathan, how you been holding up? Uh, it was a pleasure to ring in the new year with uh, an episode of Discovery directed by you. I'm doing great. I'm actually back in Toronto as we speak. Here in my hotel room, shooting a new episode of Star Trek for Discovery for season four. Four, yeah. Good. To, uh, glad to see. Glad to see you back in the director chair. And uh, have you been otherwise? I'm in fine. You know, I'm looking forward to. Uh, not having to work oh. with a mask on, but other than that, I'm blessed and uh, everybody's healthy in my family. Uh, is that May? Was that, was that a picture of May with her hair straightened out? Yes, that's what she was. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. Just that. And Look Sinequa. at that beautiful girl. And you know what mm -hmm. I love about May is that she's not a skinny mini. I she's love that. I uh, She's doing great work on it. I adored her in Longmire as well. That was, that was a show. I was oh, was she in Longmire? 
Yeah, she, yeah. The boyfriend of the girlfriend of the distant uh, sheriff. She was great. That's role. right. That's right. She was with uh, my girl, good friend Katie Sackoff in that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wonderful series. So, well, again, uh, John, it's such a great pleasure to have you here, and uh, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. And finally, she is a prolific actress whose credits include Suits, Dexter, and Ray Donovan. Today, she joins us to talk about her roles as Tasha Yar of Starfleet and Commander Sela of the Romulan Star Empire. Please welcome back Denise Crosby. Hi, guys. Hi, Nisi. Hi. Hi, Denise. How have you been holding up? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. You know, the the, the bar the the bar is set low right now. You know, are we healthy? Are we you know making it through this? And we all are. Knock wood. All good. Yeah. Amen to that. I've got, Amen. I've got a bit of the sniffles, but apparently that's what happens. Can happen when you get a shot. The vaccination gives you the sniffles. So I've had the sniffles since I got my first vaccination. So that's why I'm blowing my nose all the time. Excuse me. <laughs> Not a problem at all. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, as always, we're looking forward to the day, maybe end of this year, when we can once again get you back on our stages and get you back in front of your fans. In the meantime, welcome back to the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Hope the New Year is treating you well. I know it was a little rough for the being gross, but I just been saying that that was the new year dusting off the last uh, detritus of the old year, and that's my optimism, and I'm sticking to it. So, uh, Patty, Patty, yes. the word is detritus. Detritus. Yes. Really, I have I have heard it. I have heard it pronounced several other ways. But uh, thank no, you for well, correcting. Then well, then they're wrong because then they're the very word okay. is detritus. Yes, and so it begins with indeed. <laughs> I see you have a change for this new year. <laughs> We're already thrown into a state of chaos. <laughs> I like it. Well done, Patty. Well done, John. I did want to talk, before we go, go into audience questions, I did want to talk about it since he was such a major factor in, in Trek for so long. We lost Richard Arnold this week after a long battle against cancer. And for our audience that may not know, Richard Arnold uh, started out as a Star Trek. He was literally the first Star Trek fan who became a Star Trek professional. He uh, came on board with uh, Gene Roddenberry as his assistant because he just knew the lore and the canon and they threw him into an office and it was his job to answer fan letters back when there were letters about questions about cancer Canon, about what episode was this what device was this and he knew it all and I I, I know that he was a, he had played a big part uh, in in next generation and Marina you alluded to a story where he stopped an airplane <laughs> oh goodness yeah yeah I was in I was in Cape Girardeau Missouri right doing a convention and I had you know obviously I had to connect somewhere and that was St. Louis. And the plane, um, we took off, you know, the little putt-putt plane, and about 20 minutes in, they said, oh, we got technical difficulties, we're going back. Well, I had to be at work on Monday morning at 5.15, and now I'm in Missouri on Sunday, after, like late afternoon. So we're thinking, okay, do we rent a car and drive to St. Louis? What do we do? Anyway, finally, they got some more equipment in, we got the plane. Richard Arnold, God bless him and rest him he told the captain and the flight crew that i was on my way the plane was coming in and that i had to be on the plane because i had to be at star trek at 5 15 the next morning and they held the plane they held they never do that they held he made them oh. hold the plane for me he made them hold the plane for me that's a pretty impressive feat. I mean, it wasn't long. It was like five minutes, but even so, you know, yeah. Still, that's, that's, they're, they're, they're pretty adamant about their schedules, at least from yeah. their perspective. 
maybe not from ours, but you know, that's uh... well. The captain must have been a Star Trek fan, that's all I can say because I was at work at 5 15 the next morning. Yeah, well, speaking of Star Trek fans, I understand uh, he also had a great part to play with helping out you with Trekkies. Is that correct? Oh, god, yeah. I mean, you know, we asked for his um, like stamp of approval as we were putting the show together, you know, because we were, you know, I certainly was concerned about, um, you know, c- communicating what fandom was like and what the whole you know, thing was. And I didn't want to insult anybody or cross any lines. So, you know, I was constantly asking Richard, you know, is this, is this okay? Is this, does this make sense? And, and what would you do in this situation? And, you know, he was, he was a great source of information always. And, you know, really guided me in the right direction for the tone, you know, that I was seeking. Well, again, it definitely showed in in, in both Trekkies. And uh, what do we do for Trekkies 3? You know, um, that's a question I can't really answer until I just, I'm, I'm about to sign a deal for Trekkies, a new distributor. So they will kind of, I think, have some influence, whether a third one is new. I, I, look, I look forward to hearing announcements on this. Awesome. Awesome. So, Jonathan, I, I used to rely on Richard Arnold at the conventions. He'd generally be either backstage or in the booth next to the stage. And whenever I was asked a question, which was often about things which I had no idea about warp nine and where's the bathroom on the ship and what about what happens when you go to planet Terrell? He had, and I just looked to him and I said, Richard, I mean, either whisper the answer, give me the answer, some bullshit. He was so helpful to me for so many years and he was completely egoless about the whole thing. He was the archivist. He he knew more shit about Star Trek than anybody in our our family. And he was generous about it. He was consistent. He was thoughtful. And he he's you know he was he went all the way back with uh, to the Gene okay. Roddenberry days so he was yeah. he will be missed he was a lovely lovely sweet gentle good and he could have been and he could have been so bitter because yeah. you know we all know what happened the day Gene died they literally got secu- they locked up Gene's office and Richard's office and security escorted him off the lot. I heard. You know, and um, this, it was so unconscionable because not only was Richard the absolute Oxford English Dictionary of Star Trek, but he was a really kind and good man. He had a heart of gold. He'd yeah. do anything for, I'm making myself cry. He'd do anything. He was such a good man. And that he had to go through that was so awful. Now I've made myself cry, I'm going to smudge oh, my I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'd heard things about him, maybe if, uh, a little bit for his tractors. And my assessment of him was simply that he did his job. His job was to say that counteracts an episode from original track that just the canon and some people were yeah. resistant to it. And yeah, uh, obviously, he, didn't, obviously he was doing didn't consult with him. <laughs> JJ didn't consult with him when he made his movies, but you know, there you go. Mm. <laughs> well, well, you know, we- okay, listen, I will say out loud what you all are thinking. Okay, there you go. <laughs> You always do, Marina. I, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Did you see? You didn't see the JJ Star Trek movies. I no, love it. Then you don't know what I'm talking about. 
but yes, JJ changed history. Um, changed Star Trek he, history in his movies. No, he created he created an alternate timeline. Both all timelines still exist. Every, yeah, every right. all, all Trek all Trek is still canon. Like That's a lot of people who come to Star Trek late in the day, they think they're reinventing the wheel, and they forgot this been here fifty years already. So there you go. Well, on a lighter note, speaking of inventing, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah, JJ, I'll, I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, JJ says you're full of shit. So did he? Yeah, but uh, okay. Everybody has a right to their own opinion because of the uh, prime directive. What is really? No, no. I was going to say you've just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, all right. Uh, with that note, I think we're good to go on audience questions. Uh, let's go ahead and roll our first one, and this is going to come from dun, 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 from Christina, and she wants to know what is your advice to be a good leader or a captain in life. Hmm. This is not a question for me. Go on, you two. Compromise, trustworthiness, loyalty, honesty. Honor. Be a good listen, listener, honor. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. That's a good one. Right, admit when you're wrong. Admit That's when another you're wrong. good one. That's a great one. Yeah. See, I knew this wasn't for me. And ask for advice. <laughs> Don't be afraid to ask for advice. Exactly. Never never be afraid to admit you mispronounced Tetris. That, that's Tetris. Oh, Tetris, the game? Oh, it's not Tetris. Tetris. You've missed the syllable, Paddy. There's an extra the syllable in there. Not in Tetris. I played, I played Tetris, that 20 no. times. No. No, I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at Tetris. I'm learning so much from you today, Marita. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you, Christina. That was a great question to start us off with. And from Rosalyn. Oh, how did you like the costumes? Uh, I'm not even going to say that second part. <laughs> that was my least favorite part of the job with my spacesuit. I, as you all know, I used to have a uh, pink chenille robe. Have you got that robe, Denise? Man, do I wish. I have it seared in my brain for all eternity, though. I, I could have sworn you took that from me. I wish I was smart enough to do that. I did not take that robe. But but let me, let me quantify that by saying the robe was a woman's hot pink chenille robe too small. Empire, very tight. Very, very yeah. three-quarter length sleeves and couldn't much couldn't more lie. comfortable than my spacesuit, though I must say. <laughs> well, you used to wear it over yours, <laughs> which I found really charming. <laughs> I also was privileged to wear a costume which revealed my nipple. I remember and, uh, the famous picture of uh, my lovely counselor Troy, my TV wife, smirking shamelessly at my uh, ensemble from one episode that? where we some that was, uh, Angel, that was Angel One wasn't Angel it? Angel One, one. Yeah. Yeah, there was, when, was, when Bill Price was still our costume designer yeah yeah, yeah. where all the boys were dressed as ballerinas yeah yeah, yeah that was uh, did very, you ever tell people you know, first season what's that did you have you told people that you actually ripped off your spacesuit on the last day you ripped it off for your body no fact he did or he fiction. ripped it What's that? <laughs> How you rip that polyester? It was hard. <laughs> it doesn't uh, oh. I think it was second season or third season when you finally got sort of the more pullover ones. Uh, oh, so we could do the Picard maneuver. Yes, yes. At least there weren't the unitards. Oh yeah, well we well the girls never stop wearing the unitards, so you can just shut up, Patty, because we were. All right. right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now I I was a fan of the scant, the unisex uh, skirt, and I actually have one hanging up and I have cosplayed with other guys wearing the scants, the male scants, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I hope you have the legs for 
them. Patrick and I wore the scant in a couple of episodes. Did you? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Very nice, Patty. Oh, you're very wow. welcome. You're welcome. Well, you know, the scant. You wore the dress uniform, which was. Oh, that wasn't the scant. I thought. No, that- no, the scant was the mini skirt that I wore in the first episode. Yes, which was in the, the background worn by. Outfit. In the background was worn by by male extras because in the future, hey, you know, you wear it wherever you want, and uh, and they brought him back for the final episode too. Uh, in, in Denise's scenes. Yeah, they threw a guy in the back of her running around. Hey! So. Yeah. I don't think I ever, I mean, I was fitted for one, but I couldn't see Tasha wearing a, whatever that is, scant. Well, even Troy only wore one for one episode. So. Yeah, I mean. And then it took a couple seasons to get you back in a normal uniform, but you got there. Who, me? Yes. Six seasons. Six. <laughs> You got there. <laughs> and Rosalind, thank you on that. Yeah, there we go. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, no. See, just wrong. Just so wrong. Uh, it's it's the future, uh, you know, Marina. It's just there's no there's no rules. Uh, Rosalind, thank you. Fun question. What do we have next? Uh, this comes from Kevin. Did you ever have any creative input on what happens to your character? <laughs> I actually, I had a lunch once with, with Morris Hurley, who was a- Well, that was early. That was very early. And uh, he said, what do you like? I said, well, I like jazz. I play the trombone. And a couple of episodes down the road, there I was in the holodeck playing trombone with Minuet. So I think that was about the most input I was able to provide. I thought that was smart of him to ask people what they were interested mm-hmm. in. Certainly, they they um, used Patrick's thirty years at the Royal Shakespeare Company and his background to uh, influence some of Picard's character choices. I think uh, I think it's a smart thing for a producer or a writer to do to talk to an actor about like special skill that they may have or sure. games mm-hmm. danced on the show. You know, there, there was when someone plays an instrument badly on television, it always hurts those people who actually know how to play the instrument. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Did they, Denise, did he ask you what you could do? Um, I never, I never talked to anybody during the first season as Tasha, but when I came back as Sheila, that came out of a meeting with Rick Berman. I had a lot. Yesterday's Enterprise? Yesterday's Enterprise gave me the idea of a character um, that was initially, I, I came up with the idea that it was Lieutenant Castillo and Tasha Yar's daughter. They had a child. Oh. And that's the idea I pitched to Rick over lunch and you know he said let me think about because you know it was established castillo and yar had a, a you yeah. know re- relationship and that's really why part of the reason she went back on the enterprise seat was she was in love with him and so my idea was that when the romulans captured the ship they knew that tasha yar was pregnant and so kept her um didn't kill her kept her as a prisoner mm-hmm. So they could raise the child and it would become a bargaining chip with the Federation. Right. Like a Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was Rick kind of, I thought I'd never hear from him again, you know, and a couple months went by and he called me out of the blue and said, we're going to go with that. Um, I love that idea. We're going to, we're going to create this character. It's Tasha Yar's daughter. She was raised by Romulans, but instead of Castillo, her father was a Romulan general. That's that, fantastic. So that, that's how Steeler yeah. came about. And when you showed when you when you showed up at the end of that episode, out of the shadows, every every Trek fan watching was ah, and there were the theories, and a lot of people immediately said, "This guy has something to do with yesterday's Enterprise." It's got to, yeah, right. I. I 
you know, I love the fact that I was able to play my own character's daughter. I just, you know, no, you can't do that. I mean, who can do that unless you're on, you know, a sci-fi show? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and it was just, it was, it was a great role. It was a good guy you have a chance to be, and not a villain, but an adversary. You know, it's too bad they, they didn't kind of explore that character more because it's an intriguing dilemma, you know, to have this revered member of your crew have a daughter that's your enemy, you know? So that, I mean, it's so complicated. Look at that. That's a great thought. Thank you. Picked it myself. Oh, and out of curiosity, how was the Romulan costume? Uh, how's that wear compared to uh, first season uh, uh, Starfleet? Yeah, that, that was wearing cardboard. Bad clothes planet. That was that was stiff. Stiff. It was kind of empowering, though, you know, to oh, be. Yours was better than mine. It's interesting how clothes can, you know, inform you. I mean, that's how Olivier always, you know, would go from the outside in. You know, he'd wear it shoes. shoes. And yeah, so you're, you know, you're wearing this like formidable, like a bandolier and big shoulder. It felt like I, I was in a Terry Mugler runway show from the 80s, you know, these like giant shoulders and you know it was really kind of interesting. Linda Evans had a garage sale and we bought up all the shoulder pads from Dynasty. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Marina? Did you get a chance to uh, bend the ear of anybody creatively about uh, your No, they weren't interested in... Well, you know, I used to say to them, well, what does Troy do in her spare time? What, apart from working out? What does she do? What does she like? What does she, you know, we know nothing about her. And they'd say to me, what do you want to do? And I'd be like, I'm an actress. You're the writer. Come up with something. Which is the lesson I learned on Star Trek. When they're writing for seven characters and a bunch of guest stars every week, they welcome input from their regulars because they've just got so much to think about. So when they said that to me, I should have come up with something. So if I ever get another series, I have learned my lesson. I will put my thinking cap on, you know, and help the writers because they're just so swamped. You know, 26 shows a year with 10 actors every week. It's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the writing room, they're basically like... I got an idea. Let's get Marina and Michael's character to start having a thing, which I know you've spoken on several times. You know, Marina, it's interesting. Marina and I, there was a scene for our audition. Oh, right. I'm assuming you have the same audition. Uh, that yep. was a great scene that was never shot. I know. And we never shot it. It was a beautiful scene where Marina is Tasha's friend, but also her therapist. And it, it, Tasha's really struggling with feeling worthy and, you know, yeah. uh, that that she has a place on this ship and she was idolizing, you know, too much Captain Picard and Marina just like to take it down a notch, you know, you're fine, you're good. You're, you, you got here on your own, you know, skills and talent and you, you very much deserve to be here and you need to have fun. You need to go out, go to the holodeck, have a drink, you know, get laid practically. I mean, it was like that kind of scene and it was this really beautiful, heartfelt Yeah, friendship. And again, I never understood why that wasn't um, a piece of the show because it not only showed what Counselor Troy was about, you know, what her skill, why she's there, but also this side of Tasha, which was always very insecure yeah. and vulnerable. Even yeah, and, we she- didn't have, and we didn't have a lot of female uh, women on women. I mean, I don't mean that in a sexual way. No, no. I mean, you know, women relating to each other. 
Absolutely. had the boys all relate. And that was probably because until Jerry came along, I mean, not Jerry Ryan, Jerry, what was her name, our rider, Jerry? What was our rider's name? Jonathan. I'm thinking. Yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, until she came on the show, all the riders were men, apart from the, uh, uh, you know, occasional Melinda Snodgrass episode. So they didn't write women's relationships. You know, which was sad because women have more interesting relationships, I think, because we open up much more than men do. You know, and this and this scene was a uh, was in the auditions. Uh, or yeah, yeah. And we actually we played both parts. Because... Yeah, that was our audition scene. Yeah, because yeah, I was originally reading for Troy, and and then I was reading for Tasha. I'm going to see if I can track that down. Oh, wow. See if we can track that down. Maybe next time you join us, maybe you could do a reading. Don't ask for free, baby. Don't ask for free. Jerry Taylor. Jerry Taylor. Good one. That's right. Jerry Taylor. Cool. And Kevin, thank you. That was a great, great question. Wow, that takes a lot of places. What do we have next? And this is going to come all from Lisa, known as number one Trek fan. Have you ever been a big fan of someone to find that they are a big Trek fan in turn and thrilled to meet you? Yes. Yes. So I was asked, I'll let I'll answer this while you guys are thinking. I was asked to go to Manchester in England to open the caravan show, which is RVs in America. Right. So I'm like, why, how do RVs have anything to do with Star Trek? But I went because they paid me a lot of money. And when I got there, the publicist for the Caravan Club in England said, I hear you're a Spurs fan. And I said, yes, I am. And she handed me the phone and on her phone was Gary Mabbott, MBE, captain of Tottenham and England. And I just went, yeah, because, you know, any, any, any footballer that played for my team. Anyway, I sent him an email apologizing for the verbal diarrhea and he sends me and i say in this email you know spurs football's always been my passion especially spurs and um I, that was why i was so excited to talk to you and he sends me an email back and he says i totally agree and my passion has always been star trek oh i love it That's i cool. have two recent followers who i watch religiously and whose opinions i respect and who i've been enamored of one is neil oh, Neil Katyal, who's the uh, sort of the jurisprudence guy on MSNBC. Mm. And, and Mary um, Trump. And Mary Trump. And and Maya Wiley, who's now running for the mayor of, of New York. So the, the upside of Twitter is that people can DM you and you can have a conversation. And both of them, who I admire their, in, their intellect and their point of view and their articulation, are huge, hardcore trekkers. And they, they sort of fanboy on the show and the DM. And it, it's, uh, it makes you, it tickles you when it's somebody that you, yeah. that you and respect. And Stacey Abrams. And Stacey Abrams, oh, right? And Stacey Abrams. Oh, oh, my God. That was exciting. Well, um, I know I, I've said I've told you guys this story before, but my um, my friend was the still photographer on Saturday Night Live. And one time um, she originated, she did the original. And so one time um, Edie uh, invited myself and my husband to watch Saturday Night Live, come come to, you know, 30 Rock and watch watch the show being taped and go to the party afterwards and, you know, experience this whole thing. So we said, sure. So we were in New York and we went and um, Nirvana was the musical 
musical guest. Oh. It was, it was right before, um, it was only a couple months before Kurt Cobain died. Mm-hmm. And they were like mind blowing how great they were on, on the show. And so um, the show ended and we're all getting in this elevator to go to the after party. And so I get into the elevator and in comes uh, Anthony Clytus from the Red Hot Chili Peppers with this gorgeous girl. And in comes Kurt uh, Novoselic from the band, from Nirvana, with his girlfriend. And, you know, my husband, Ken, who knows nobody in the elevator. And I'm going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, don't, do not say anything. Don't even look at them. Don't say anything. Because whatever is going to come out of my mouth is going to be so stupid. It's just going to sound, I'm going to sound like an idiot. So just don't say anything. Don't say anything. And they are, like, as cool at rock stars, you know, that can be. And so we get almost to the bottom and Kurt looks at me and he goes, I know who you are. You're fucking Tasha Yar. <laughs> and I went, and you're fucking Nirvana. <laughs> and we like went, wow, that's so cool. And then we got to the bottom and went out to the party. Oh, so that was, wow. you know, that was kind of cool. Ah, uh, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And Lisa, thank you. Great question, as always. From Jean, what was your initial reaction when you read the script for the first time? Which I, I will, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the original pilot script. I was thrilled to have a job. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was just really, I would have, I would have been, you know, just, just anything, really. It was just, I've got this great job. At the Beverly Center, she was months away from going back to England. I was a months. I was going back that day when I got the job. So yeah, I mean, I was working in the Beverly Center folding sweaters because I was rubbish at selling. So I just kept the store tidy. But yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I didn't, you know, I actually don't remember what I thought when I read the script. I was just so elated that I had a job and I could stay in America. As I recall, we weren't given a script. Maybe that's why you don't remember it. (laughs) We weren't given a script until we had the job. Right, that's right. Yeah. Mm. So they were just giving us, all I had was this scene. Right. And it was really very, you know, kept under wraps and, and, you know, this was before we were signing. I mean, now you have to sign a non disclosure. Yeah, yeah. It was basically, you know, a handshake non-disclosure and you couldn't say anything and so i didn't really get i don't remember getting a script until like the day before shooting began or something you know and it was like oh my god what in the hell is this about you know we figured it out as we went you know uh, let me let me follow up this then. Do you re- recall your initial thoughts when you read All Good Things, the final episode for the first time? Oh, well, that was so good. That was good. I mean, that was, re- I mean, chalk and cheese from Encounter at Farpoint, should we say. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, that whole last episode was just so emotional. It was just so emotional. You know, we knew, even though we knew, you know, a week later we were going to be starting work on Generations, it was, I don't know, it was just, it had everything that episode and then in that last when we actually shot the poker scene last so it was the last scene and we shot it last and we all just fell apart at the end and of course michael dawn who had been saying i can't wait for this show to be over i hate this bloody makeup and then of course 
as soon as it said like that's a wrap guys it's the end of tng he started blubbering like a baby and cried so hard his nose fell off with the just came right off Oh, not wow. his real nose, obviously. The yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the bridge. Um, but yeah, but everyone, I mean, it was so special, wasn't it, Johnny, that last scene? Yeah. We just sat there when it was done, just holding hands. We didn't move. We didn't move. We just sat yeah. there. It was, it was the moment. And as a fan watching it with other fans, it was, it was, it was the best. It was just uh, just the fade out, the fact that that Patrick's character felt I should have done this years ago. It's like you were always welcome. You know, I know. Just, just soft fade out stuff. And Denise brought you brought you back. Now, if I heard correctly, your scene was meant to be in the first episode. I think uh, it was like the scene with you and, and Patrick's character in the shuttlecraft. I I heard the dialogue between the two of you was supposed to be in the first original episode. Like, maybe that was wrong. I don't know. I mean, I, oh wait a minute, I was dead, wasn't I, in the future and all good things? Well, that was bloody rubbish. <laughs> I just remembered they you, killed you, me off in the future. <laughs> All good things. You, you got better. <laughs> I I just remember putting. It had been so long since I played that character of Tasha Yar. It totally took me by surprise. I just assumed, oh, I'm you know, I'm just going to get on the. I, I've done this in my sleep, you know. And suddenly I was in that spacesuit next to Captain Picard, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have absolutely no clue. And I better like get my shit together soon because I just assumed I knew what this, how to play this character, and it was. It really took me by surprise. I had exactly the same reaction when I did uh, Picard last year, a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you know that. Reaction. I thought I can do, I know how to do right. that. I, right. I was terrified and, and felt unprepared and surprised oh, myself. Totally. So I was like, and here I am with Patrick, you know, and it's just he and I, I'm going, oh my God, I really screwed this up, man. I should have, I should have like watched my old episodes or something, you know, to figure this out. But it, it kind of, you know, it sort of came back. And, no, it did. <laughs> no, it, trust me, it did. it did. Again, as a fan, from a fan's perspective, it was like, oh, they brought her back. Oh, that's great. Good, good, because oh, I wasn't feeling it. Again, it was um, yeah. It's a it's a it's a lovely trick memory, and it, it it was it was an endearing coda, and it just it summed up how we all felt as fans through the characters, because it was it was never about the zap boom bam explosions set pieces to kill. It was all about your characters and the the life and the performances you gave them. So, and Gene, thank you. That was a great question. I think we have time for one more short one. So let's see what we can end out on. And this is gonna come from Garland. How was being being a part of Star Trek impacted your life? In every way imaginable. I mean, literally every way, economically, socially, you know, celebrity. I mean, everything, everything. It just, and, and it literally happens overnight. I mean, I remember getting the job and um, being told, okay, on the day, okay, so now you need a business manager and now you need, and now you need a publicist and now you, and you're like, but I can't afford, I've got no money. I can't afford to pay anybody. And they, and they just go, it's all right. They know you're going to be earning, they'll wait. <laughs> but it does, it impacts going from being totally unknown to not being totally unknown. You know, it's huge. It's really huge. And some people like it and some people don't like it. And I like it. 
my husband, God rest him, used to call it my soap dish moment. I need a soap dish moment. Marina, go. I don't know if you remember the movie Soap Dish. Sally Field, when she was getting a little down in the dumps because she was an aging soap star, Whoopi, she would get down and say, Whoopi, bless her, would take her to a mall and pretend not to know her. And then go, oh, aren't you? Blah, blah. And then that would create a scene and then she'd get a lot of love. And my husband used to say that I needed that. And that's what the conventions were for me. They were my soap dish moment. That I needed that affirmation and love from my fans. It's pathetic, I know, but there you go. No, it's the truth. No, it's the truth. It is. I love it. I do. But, I love but, it. but Marina, you 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 give the love back. I mean, you I've I've seen you at your tables, and you're you are so kind and so gracious to your fans. You all are, and and you've given so much enjoyment, and continue to give enjoyment, whether it's in this format or on the on the stages or at, at the booths. It's it's you make. You're making those moments and those memories for those fans. And well, I realized very early on that it's actually not about the autograph. It's about that minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, depending on how busy the con is, that you spend with them. That, that's the memory they take away with them, that yeah. interaction that they have with you. Yeah, that they're going to talk about at dinner for the next, you know, for the rest of their lives. So you have yeah. to make it special for them. And you do. You really do. You all do. And we all do. We all do. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So, uh, Denise. Ramadan, not so much late afternoon when he gets a bit grumpy. He's early late in the afternoon, as opposed to Brent, who will sit there. I have a picture of Brent sitting in an empty, empty um, hall at his table. There's no one in the room, but Brent is still there waiting for a fan to come and ask for his autograph. The place is deserted. <laughs> I just when I when I posted Michael on stage, I just like I say, like, all right, we're gonna check in a minute. Let's talk about jets, and uh, that that perks him up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez, that's, that's his passion. So, Denise, how about you? How is how is this crazy Star Trek thing <laughs> affected you that you could sum up? You know, it's it's extraordinary because um, to think I spent one season on a TV show, you know, that has resonated and left you know such you know been part I, I i'm part of this larger than life you know thing and it's it's way beyond anything i can i can put my finger on and and, and just grateful to be part of and um you know continue to be and what is sprung from it is all kinds of things you know whether it's the documentaries I've made and the friendships I've made and, you know, just to be part of something that is so well loved by the world is extraordinary. And, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's been a pleasure to take the journey with you. Mm. Well, Patty. Wow. That's, uh, Jonathan <laughs> is an actor and a director. It certainly affected your world. Yeah, it sure has. Both of my friends have spoken the feelings that I, I have. I'm very grateful to have learned another craft and to be able to continue with the Star Trek family that I work with now. And uh, they're all fascinated by what our experiences were on Next Gen. 
Jen. I feel uh, grateful. I feel blessed. Uh, I had no idea that it was going to be the gift that keeps on giving. That's true. And, uh, and it gives with the quality. It's given to you, your castmates, and your peers, and it's given to us as fans. So it's the gig that keeps giving and the, 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 the gift that keeps giving. And with that, Garland, thank you. That was a wonderful question. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Any final words for our audience before we go? Well, thanks for joining in, everyone. And um, hopefully we'll be able to do this in person in the not-too-distant future. Wash your hands. Social Wash your people. hands. Wear, Wear the mask. mask. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Stay double safe, mask. everyone. Stay safe. Double mask. Be well. Yeah, be safe. Absolutely. As always, it's been my pleasure to serve you all today. Once again, thank you for joining us back here at the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us today, and thank you for those wonderful questions. Hope to see you all again soon. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Take care, and as Jonathan said, please keep washing those hands.